tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I was recently talking to someone and they mentioned all the opportunities that are in my life for relapse. So for example, the podcasting conferences that I go to and how I work for myself alone in my house. But the thing is, although I have a lot of opportunities to drink, I don't. And I believe that there are two main reasons why. The first, I have accepted that I can never drink ever again and moderation is not an option. And I've built up a lot of barriers to protect my sobriety. If you're struggling to get to acceptance and letting go of moderation, then you can start to build up barriers and that will help. So in this episode, you'll learn how I protect my sobriety, how you can use accountability 
to help you power through triggering times and some different options for having accountability. A lot of people approach accountability wrong though, and I will explain how you can get true accountability that will help you stay sober. So let's dig in. Motivation is our desire to recognize problems in our lives, address them, and make changes. Motivation doesn't last forever, though, and without coping skills and support, motivation to stay sober can quickly disappear. A 2015 study published in Substance Abuse Rehabilitation looked at motivation to stay sober among newly sober people that were in a sober living home. The participants said that they felt understood by their peers and it made them more able to receive and internalize feedback from someone who has experienced the same thing versus the same exact feedback coming from someone else. This is really important because we often get stuck in our beliefs and we won't consider alternative perspectives. Being able to reframe situations and consider alternatives is a very important coping skill that I've talked a lot about. It's called cognitive reappraisal, and I talked about it in episode 94 if you'd like to learn more. Similarly with AA, group members have said that the level of understanding between peers in meetings allows them to honestly discuss things that they may not bring up anywhere else. Being able to talk about something that you're feeling or going through vulnerably and be open to feedback at the same time is a big part of doing the work. Peer support has also been shown to help people regain self-esteem, which fuels motivation to stay sober. Low self-esteem and feeling like you're the worst makes us more likely to push the effort button. A 2021 study on pregnant and postpartum moms in treatment for substance use disorder found that the women believed peer support from people who understood them helped them stay engaged in treatment and made them feel more accountable. The community helped them learn self-acceptance and feel validated in their experience. We try to do it alone because we feel that we should But studies show that support from people who get it helps us stay sober, feel understood, improve our self-esteem, and accept ourselves. And all of that helps us stay sober. Most people approach accountability wrong. They find some random accountability buddy online and vow to check in with each other so that they can stay strong. But it's so easy to ghost this person because they're a complete stranger and you have no relationship. There are two things that are required for accountability to work. You need to have a goal that you're working towards and you have to be willing to let other people help you get there. I think a lot of us believe that just having an accountability buddy is going to fix our problems, but you have to be willing to do the work too. Your accountability buddy can't make you not drink. The reason that being in community with other people who are sober or trying to stop drinking works is because you build up relationships and care about each other. It's mutual support. Accountability buddies can be very effective, 
but you have to be willing to do the work to stop drinking and you have to be willing to form a real relationship with your accountability buddies. I think the main reason that people struggle with online accountability buddies is because they struggle to produce felt accountability. Felt accountability is when you believe that your actions or decisions will be evaluated by others, either in a positive or negative way. This is why sober Facebook groups can sometimes be less supportive. And that's because people will join and they'll post their day ones or about their problems, and then they completely disappear until they need support from the group again. And although this feels like you're trying to create accountability in your life, it's closer to enabling because you know that you can get some encouragement from the group when you need it, and then you disappear again, but you don't have any felt accountability because you're not building relationships inside the group. But the brief support that you do get is enough to help you feel a little bit better for a day or so and rejuvenate a little bit of your motivation before it slips back to where it usually is and the cycle repeats. I'll give you two examples. I was procrastinating on making a dentist appointment and I told my best friend Blair. I thought I was just like by the way telling her, but I mentioned it twice and on the second time she told me, make that appointment right now, followed by a bunch of do it's, like do it, do it, do it. And I knew that she was going to judge me if I didn't. So I called and made the appointment. And that was really good accountability. Otherwise, I would have never made the appointment and I would have just kept mentioning it. But another example, Blair and I are trying to make some healthier choices with food and exercise. And she just asked me what I've done today for my physical health. And I said nothing and that I was considering going to buy more coffee. There was some accountability there too, but not a ton because I wasn't worried about Blair judging me if I didn't do healthy stuff today, so it was easier to just not do it. I didn't feel that there was any consequence to her opinion of me if I did the healthy stuff or if I didn't. Accountability isn't really about the other person or the group. It's how you feel about them. Both of these examples were with my friend Blair, but one of them I felt the accountability and the other I didn't. It wasn't about her, it was how I felt about her. When you value the group's opinion of you, you will think twice about drinking because you'll start to think about having to tell them about it. If the group is just a bunch of strangers that you barely ever talk to, then their opinion doesn't really matter to you. And this is also why spouses or family members don't make the best accountability partners because you can get the other person to co-sign on the same unhealthy behaviors and you know that they're not going to judge you or think negatively of you for not sticking to your word. So it's easier to just not do it and keep going down the same path. If you want accountability to work for you, then you need to show up and be a part of the community or build a real relationship with your buddy. Accountability is felt when you believe that the other person cares about whether or not you drink. And no one else can do this for you. Just having the accountability buddy isn't a game changer. You have to put in the work to make your accountability group or person effective. Because remember, it's all about how you feel about the other person or the group. Accountability can create barriers of protection around your sobriety. And these barriers allow you to think before acting, which is key to staying sober. 
when we're triggered, it's easy to be impulsive and just drink because that's what we've always done. But as you get more support, these barriers will help you take a pause between the trigger and drinking. Support helps us feel like we matter and that we're cared about. So here are the barriers that I have in place to protect my sobriety, and then a few more options that you can try too. So number one is my husband. And I know that I just said spouses sometimes don't make good accountability buddies, and that's 100% true with my husband. We talked about it when he came on the podcast in episode 32, if you want to listen. But I would be trying not to drink, and then he'd come home and ask if I wanted to party. Like, of course, I want to party. I want nothing more than to just drink and party. But once I quit for good, and he knew that I was really, really serious about it, he became my biggest champion. I had to do the work to want to stop drinking and learn how to handle my life without alcohol before I could have true accountability with him. My sobriety is very, very important to my husband. Like sometimes shockingly important. We've talked about why it's so important to him a few times. And your first thought may be because he doesn't want me to blow up my life again. And he doesn't want to go through it again. But he told me that he knows I would never be able to forgive myself. And he thinks even if it wasn't like a big bender and I just had one drink and then recommitted to sobriety, that I would have trouble moving on emotionally from it. So knowing how important my sobriety is to my husband and how much he has adjusted to prioritize it keeps me thinking twice about drinking if I have an unexpected trigger like I discussed in episodes 55 and 106. The second barrier that I have in place to protect my sobriety is my therapist. I've been seeing her weekly for the past three years. And the first time that I was ever able to take a break from drinking was when a therapist challenged me to do seven days without alcohol. I knew that I had to go tell her whether or not I drank the next week. So I didn't drink because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. And now with my current therapist, we discuss tough situations like going to conferences alone before I go there. And I know that she's going to ask me about it when I get back. And I know that she cares about me and she genuinely wants me to succeed. Number three is my sober friends and community. When I was drinking, I didn't think anybody cared about me. But now I have true friends and an amazing sober community. And I know that if I got distant, people would ask. People even check on me because they know I'm overworked and tired and they just want to make sure I'm okay. I feel like I'm cared about and that I matter to people. And that keeps me sober too. Similarly, when someone in my community is having a tough time, they tell us that they're going to post every day to stay accountable and update us. And if they miss a day or even a bit late, we know. And I bet they'll probably get 10 DMs checking on them. And they know that that's going to happen and that we really care. So it makes them want to stay accountable and keep updating us. And knowing that people care about you and they're expecting a post from you the next day is really helpful if you're having a tough night. If you want some felt accountability from a really special supportive group of people, then check out my membership community, Living a Sober Powered Life. You can get more details on that in the show notes. 
And my fourth barrier is you. If I had a drink, I could never do this podcast every week. It would feel horrible to tell you that I messed up and get into the whole thing publicly, but I don't think that I would be able to pretend. That would just make me feel even worse. And I know that every Friday morning, thousands of people wake up and check their podcasting app for a new Sober Powered episode. That's a lot of felt accountability there. Maybe I know you, maybe I don't, but either way, I care about you and I want to support you. And I know that I can't support you if I drink. And that is a powerful reason to think twice. So I have four different layers of accountability that even if I have a tough time or I feel like why bother and I want to give up, I have four very strong barriers protecting me from giving up. Maybe those don't work for you, but other options for accountability include in or outpatient treatment, telling your doctor that you're struggling and getting support from them, attending group therapy, working with a coach, or attending any type of meeting like AA, Smart Recovery, Dharma Recovery, Women for Sobriety, The Luckiest Club, Sober Mom Squad, or one of my meetings. So take some time today to reflect on what types of felt accountability you have in your life. And if you're struggling to stay sober, then brainstorm some methods of accountability that you're willing to try. And if you are trying to get accountability, but you're not really showing up and building relationships, then be honest with yourself and start showing up and being a part of your community today. So I hope that you will spend some time thinking about all the different barriers that you can put up to protect your sobriety. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could leave the podcast five stars and write a nice review. And I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.